All right, everybody. U-N-I-T-E-D. United are the team for me with a knick-knack paddywhack. Give a dog a bone. Hey, Paul. How are you? Wow. This is officially the worst <laughs> podcast we have ever done, at least oh. from my, from my perspective. <laughs> oh, we're, this is, we're just getting started here in United. We are just getting started, Paul. Oh, well, Andy, I know you had a good week. One of the, one of the best weeks to be a United fan, not yeah. going to lie. How are you doing, Paul? Oh, I had an awful week on top of being sick and you know, puking my guts out yesterday. Uh, I was also puking my guts out because of Barcelona's performances over the past week. So, yay. Yeah. Un- yeah. Unfortunately, some of my delight had to come at your expense, which yeah. I wish didn't have to be the case, uh, <laughs> but I am feeling pretty good about it. And I'm it's... sorry to hear about uh, everything that happened yesterday as well. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't that you were puking from seeing United doing so well. No, it was not related to United. If that ha- if that were the case, I would have puked Thursday. No, this was... Uh... This was all Sunday, and it was just – it was not good. But it got gave me the chance to watch a lot of soccer. So we're going to cover a lot of stuff today, including Barcelona United, the showdown, part two. Hey, preview. That's probably what our title is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make sure that is the title. Heck yeah. Yes. Let's get it. <laughs> all right. Well, Andy, uh, I think like last week we're going to kind of get through Barcelona and United separately and look around the league – around Europe real quick and then get into the showdown from Thursday. Mm-hmm. So in that vein, Barcelona, oh my gosh. Someone flash back to last season before Xavi took over because that's what Barcelona looked like against Almeria. Or sorry, oh, Almeria. No. So yeah, it was really not good. I don't know what Barcelona was on, but they just seemed like they thought they were entitled to a win and thought they would just walk through Almeria because mm-hmm. Almeria is a bottom bottom feeder team. But yeah. they gave up a, a – it was a sweet goal from Almeria, uh, their striker, Speedy Speedy Gonzalez over there. Uh, Gonzalez is not his last name, but he was very fast. Mm-hmm. And he got behind Andreas Christensen, took a touch, and then rifled a shot kind of on a half volley off of the underside of the bar over Ter Stegen's head and off the underside of the bar, bounced in back into the roof of the net. And that was the only goal in the game. And I, Andy, I don't know what Barcelona was on, but they thought they were like a Premier League team or something. Oh, no. And just decided that they were just going to lob crosses into the box. And (laughs) I don't know if you know Barcelona very well, Andy. But I think through this Mm. podcast, you've gotten a good understanding. Of them. Yeah, now, now that I have, yes, after seeing them a tough, couple times. Go on. Yeah. No, you're fine. Barcelona's game is not crosses into the box, and that's all they were doing. And I don't know. I just don't know, Andy. I really just yeah. don't know. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like they were a bit – first just didn't start off like with the right intensity and then just came out super, super flat. And it's like as soon as you start out super flat, it's like you're kind of inviting – someone to have a worldie of a goal against yeah. you. Yeah, and that's what it was. It was really sweet. I don't know if you were able to watch the highlights, but it was it was a sweet goal. And honestly, based on how the two teams played, Almeria deserved to win the game. And they did. Mm-hmm. Um they they outplayed Barcelona. They they had more more urgency. They wanted to attack. They wanted to win the game. Barcelona played like they were like we're supposed to win. And Unfortunately, games aren't played on paper. They're paid on, played on grass. So mm-hmm. Barcelona yeah. ended up losing. And luckily for them, which we'll get to in a minute, Real Madrid dropped points against Atletico Madrid. So, you know, it, it could have been a lot worse. But I, I just don't know, sure. Andy. With, with all the injuries Barcelona has had, I just, they need to rework something. And honestly, Barcelona started to look better when they put in their 17 and 18 year old midfielders. Mm-hmm. Barcelona's like one of their only shots that they recorded in the game was off a, a, a heck of a strike from their 18 year old, um, mm-hmm. Al, Alcarcon, Al, something like that. Alarcon, something. Yeah. I don't even know his name because I he believe doesn't you. get enough playing time. 100%. Um, I believe you. Your Spanish yeah. is so much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it just like they didn't have any urgency until those two guys came in the game. And it, unfortunately, it was too little too late. I think. Chavi mm-hmm. should have put him in at halftime. Yeah. But and and we'll get to this when we talk about United Barcelona as well, but Barcelona's substitutes 
just don't have the stamina and the pace to play Chavi style. Mm-hmm. So for those of you listeners who don't remember Chavi's style or haven't listened or you're new to the podcast, Chavi's style is very much uh, in the vein of Pep Guardiola's when he was at Barcelona. So the idea of take the ball, pass the ball. So Barcelona mm-hmm. pride themselves, at least this season, on chasing the opposing team down, getting the ball back, and then keeping possession and creating chances from that. Mm-hmm. The problem is people like Sergi Roberto, Frank Kessier, they just they they haven't started enough, and I don't think their their stamina is high enough to play this style. That's that's not that's not who they are. That's not their style. So yeah. when you have in, in both the United game and the Almeria game, you had Sergio Roberto, Frank Kessier, and Sergio Busquets playing in those games. Sergio Busquets, the only reason he can't play the style as well as he used to is because he's old. Well, I shouldn't say old. He's older, right? Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this, but. When Barcelona has Gavi and Pedri in the midfield, they're both very young, very high-energy players, especially Gavi. So you can hide Busquets. And Frankie de Jong is also young, so he can – the three of those guys together can hide Sergio Busquets' lack of defending and lack of pace, right? Yeah. The problem is when you have Frank Kessier and Sergio Roberto in that same midfield, or Sergio Roberto was a right-back in the Almeria game, but – you can't hide Sergio Busquets. So Barcelona as a side just gets that much worse. So mm-hmm. I think Xavi really has to take a hard look at his team right now. And I think he has to prioritize playing his youth, especially yeah. in these games coming up against Valencia on Sunday. Yeah. It, like, he he has to play guys who have pace, who want who want to be out there, who want to play the game. Because yeah. I don't know about you, Andy. I mean, I don't know if you watched it, like I said, but Barcelona did not want to win that game. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I have a question because I know. Yeah. So, do you think that Barcelona are now just hitting an aspect of their season where there's like tiring legs? Yes. Um. Okay. Because yes. there's I I do I do, and I think it it also kind of goes back to my point of having to play people due to the injuries, having to play people who aren't used to playing ninety minute games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I think that's starting to show. Yeah, because it just from watching when we when United played Barcelona, Barcelona do have a high tempo kind of style, yeah. but it's so it's possession based. So it's not like physicality where like everyone's running around everywhere, but it's just you have to be being able to move laterally so quickly and being able to receive a ball at any moment and play quicker passes. That takes a lot of stamina. So yeah. I think that might be seems like that could be what's happening in that case with Barcelona is they kind of have a, a thinning squad and they might have a more thinning squad now with the, with the injuries. So yeah. it's putting pressure on players that aren't used to playing in those specific roles and they're kind of getting found out. Yeah. Um, that happens, happens a lot to the teams when you don't have the right position, right people in the right positions. And it seems like yeah. Barcelona are still trying to figure out what they're, they're, they've got their style, but they're just trying to fi- find the right people to fit into those roles. It sounds. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. And yeah, Barcelona are coming up on a dangerous point in their schedule because they are facing Real Madrid in the first leg of the Copa del Rey semifinal this Thursday, and we don't know which Real Madrid team is going to show up because if you were following this past week, Real Madrid destroyed Liverpool five two, mm-hmm. scoring five straight in their first leg of the Champions League. And then just absolutely pooped the bed against Atletico Madrid and almost came out with a loss and probably should have. But I'll get to that in a minute too. For sure. But yeah. So I don't know what Barcelona team is going to show up and I don't know which Real Madrid team is going to show up. Honestly, Andy, this could be a repeat of the Supercopa where Barcelona ends up winning 3-0, 4-1, 3-1, whatever. It could also go the other way where if Barcelona played like they did against Almeria, Barcelona could lose 3-0 like Mm. easily. So yeah. I don't know which team is going to show up for both sides, which makes this game really interesting and makes me mm. very afraid. For sure. Yeah, and there's always a bit of a come down when you're playing such a high-stakes game. Like the Europa League was a high-stakes yeah. game. This was, seeing the game as we'll get into, this was a semifinal of a Champions League level match happening yeah. super early in season. So these teams were knocking the snot out of each other. Yeah. Quite so. It's going to be not only just a physical, but also like an emotional ride of having been cl- having been close to advancing or having fought so hard and then having to go and face a minnow team 
yeah. that that can creep in on non-experienced sides. Yeah. So that's yeah. it seems like that's maybe too what's happening there. So there's could be a lot of a lot of things happening that aren't just the football, but it yeah. usually does stem with the football. So yeah, yeah, very interesting to see how how Barcelona bounces back from it. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, even if Barcelona is going down, United seem to be continuing up and up. Um, we have United has finally won a trophy, uh, first time in six years uh, since um, Jose Mourinho's last trophy that he won, which was the uh, Europa League. So this was a honestly a very a very good week for United fans. One of the, probably one of the best weeks, probably the best week a United fan and Manchester United have had. I would say since Sir Alex Ferguson, where going one and being able to to beat Barcelona, which we will get into, and then claiming a League Cup um, is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it was a two nil win over Newcastle. Newcastle did look uh, did look threatening at times, at times, but the threat was more of what they're able to do in the middle of the pitch. Once they got into um, United's uh, defensive third. They really couldn't create much, and they were not at all clinical in front of goal. There's maybe a handful of shots that looked like they'd threaten, uh, but United found found the ways to get past Newcastle uh, from a, uh, a free kick uh, headed in by your favorite buddy Paul Casemiro. Mm. That man is absolute class. Um, starts the scoring there. Six minutes later, Rashford gets a goal. Initially, it was labeled an own goal, but on further review, uh, there was no touch by the Newcastle player. Um, also, the attack started by none other than Casemiro. Didn't get the assist. I think that went to um, Vujovic-Horst. But United, that was enough. Vujovic-Horst actually did something in United. Oh, he always he always does something. <laughs> he just doesn't get the goal yet. He's he's waiting for his goal. He's waiting okay. for his. Okay. He's just waiting for it because he okay. will become a cult hero as soon as he scores. His first goal in the Premier League. Um, I could see it. I could see it happening. Um, okay. but any case, um, United deserved the result. Um, they weren't the, do- they weren't the most dominant, but they were the most professional and they saw the job out. And just, just amazing to see Paul. Um, I don't know if you felt this, uh, with, uh, Barcelona's win, um, earlier, but, or when, when they won their cup earlier in the season, but, just really good to start out with a cup oh, yeah. because it does feel like there is a lot of momentum behind this United team. Um, they're looking, they are looking solid. And like, as a fan, you can feel something building because every single player that was interviewed mentioned that this is the first of many. Everyone said like, we're going to celebrate this, but we can't wait to get back to, uh, get back to work to go up and try to win the FA cup and go up against West Ham. Uh, later this week. So the significance of this really is that this could be the dawning of the new era for Ten Hag. He's got the buy-in of the players. Everything that he's done so far has turned to gold. His substitutions have been spot on. Players are enjoying playing for him. And you're seeing it. You're seeing all these smiles. You're seeing people like uh, Casemiro and Rafael Varane, who have won double digits of trophies, celebrating this trophy like it is their favorite trophy. Um, so there's a connection happening again with the players, with the fans. Um, things are things are moving in the right direction. And there's most people are saying the S word of sustainability. This seems like something that we can build off of because we're not playing incredibly scintillating football, but we are finding ways to win. And we're, when we do, we're not like kind of eking out wins. We're winning things from substantial goals and from very solid defense. So really, really looking forward to seeing what happens with United uh, as the season goes on. Um, but yeah, couldn't be, couldn't be more ecstatic. Who knew that all Manchester United needed was to get rid of the not go Ronaldo and they would have the success that they're having. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I don't, I don't think it's just Ronaldo. I think getting rid of Ronaldo <laughs> and Paul Pogba, I'm going to say, because there's yeah. rumblings happening that, him at Juventus is causing issues. So it's really getting out of the people that I, and personally, I think it's really coming down to the authority that uh, Ten Hag is now displaying. It's something that's been missed. The thing, the number one thing that's been missed since Ferguson has left is the sense of authority that like mm-hmm. everyone knows who the boss actually is. Everyone knows Ten Hag is the boss under yeah. Jose Mourinho. 
he wasn't the boss because his tactics were really flawed and like no one really thought he would stay long because of his CV of going to places for two or three years and then like leaving a dumpster. Um, There wasn't necessarily the backing from backing for Ollie because there's always the question mark of why did we get him when he was a caretaker and then uh, elevated him out. I do think he was a good manager, but just wasn't the caliber of Eric Ten Hag. Van Hall had some authority, but like he just like had just crazy idea, outdated days, outdated ways of playing that made you bored to sleep. I do remember watching United games under Louis Van Hall, and I fell asleep during those games. Uh, not gonna lie, <laughs> I remember but, watching. I came home Monday after school one day, hmm. and it was Manchester United versus uh, some middling team in the Premier League. And I was like, you know what? I got some time. I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch this game before I do my homework. And mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to do that, but I did it anyway. Don't mm-hmm. listen. Mom, plug your ears. <laughs> so I sat down and I watched this game. And Andy, it was the most boring mm-hmm. nil-nil game I have ever seen in my yep. life. Yep. Yep. I I probably fell asleep in that game. And yeah. that's why I can't remember it. Is I probably fell asleep during yeah. it. It was, but, it was bad. Yeah. And so, and so there too, like you're having someone that doesn't have the authority, even going back to again, like David Moyes, no one respects him because when he came in, completely got rid of the staff, but was very, had the wrong mentality, uh, for the, for the club. And so now with Ten Hag, you have someone who has the right authority of saying, it's my way or the highway. I am so detailed oriented that like, I know my way will work. You just got to buy into it. And he holds everyone accountable even himself. So he's talking about that. And you can also see it in how uh, Manchester United celebrated because people were mentioning the staff. Players were mentioning it's all the staff. It's everybody. And they were seeing kudos. Usually you, didn't, you don't hear that from players. Players acknowledging staff. Staff. They'll acknowledge their coach, but they won't acknowledge staff. So mm-hmm. right there, there's a sense of collectivity. There's a sense of unity sense of being united ha 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 ha, ha. Um, Good as as they're going forward so yeah i think it's it's down to ten hog he is he is the difference off the field on the field i think the difference is casemiro um because i don't think ten hog is able to do any of this without casemiro but yeah. that's my that's my own opinion all of yep. that saying we're going onwards and upwards so really really excited to see what happens even in the premier league um Speaking of the leagues, uh, we can go around at the different leagues of Europe before we get into uh, our Champions League matchup of United versus Barcelona. Um, so we'll start with the Bundesliga in Germany. Uh, big matchup of Bayern versus Union Berlin, um, seeing who if Union Berlin has the potential to uh, weather the Bayern storm in Germany, and no. they were not able to. <laughs> Dude, that looked like a route. 3-0 was generous based on mm-hmm. how Bayern played in this game. Oh, my gosh. Union yeah. Berlin looked like a minnow team yeah. in the absolute definition of it in this game. Yeah, this and that's not a that's not a great feeling for Union Berlin of, you know, you would want at least a competitive game. If it's a 1-0 loss, there's something you can probably take home, take some pride in. But if you're getting a, a smacking at 3-0, like there's – you've got egg all over your face. So you have to look very hard in the mirror to say, like, okay, what – what is possible um, yeah. in this season. So tough, tough for them, but yeah, looks like it is now still a race with uh, yes. Bayern and Dortmund uh, tied at the top of the table. So yep. Bayern aren't running away with this Bundesliga anytime soon. No, no. And Union Berlin still only three points behind behind, but a win there would have been huge for them. So mm. we will, we'll have to see how that, how that race plays out. It's very interesting. I think it'll be, Probably the closest race if if the season continues as is, um, with the Premier League being a close second. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's great to see like we've talked about last week the the Bundesliga actually having a race rather than the the Bayern monarchy that it's been over the past you know ten fifteen twenty years. So right, right. So yeah, it's good good to see that Germany is no longer um no longer that one horse race. Um, speaking of what's probably has been one horse raced most is Spain and La Liga because it's either, or it's usually a two horse race. It's either Real Madrid or Barcelona. Um, so what happened over in, uh, sunny Spain, Paul? 
Well, it was not a very sunny matchup. There was a lot of rain, as is mm. par for the course at this time of year in Spain. We descend on the Bernabeu, where Real Madrid plays for El Derby Madrileño here in, in Spain. That was which is, very sexy, Paul. Thank Dang. you. Thank you. I should have dropped my voice an octave. It would have sounded better. <laughs> El Derby Madrileño. Could you do the El Derby Madrileño? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were practicing before, and we were just messing around with our mics, everybody. So we decided not to drop our octaves very, yeah. very low for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, that is the the Madrid derby for those of our listeners who don't speak Spanish. It is the showdown between Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, one of the best derbies in the sport of soccer because Real Madrid and uh, Atletico Madrid are generally top three teams every season. And Atletico Madrid, honestly, Andy dominated the game. Hmm. And... The only reason, in my opinion, that Atletico Madrid did not win this game is because of poor refereeing, which, again, I will get to. But Atletico Madrid dominated yeah. the game. Seems to happen in Spain. I'm not going to Yeah, lie. it does. It does. The refs are generally a topic of conversation, which is yeah. disappointing. But uh, Atletico Madrid end up getting a red card in the 62nd minute. And then in the 70, I think it was the 78th minute off of a beautiful Antoine Griezmann cross into the box. Uh they get a header and end up taking the lead 1-0 with only 10 men, which was great to see. And then Real Madrid come back in the 85th minute off of a corner and an 18-year-old substitute in one of his first – I mean, not his first game, but basically his first significant playing time for Real Madrid. Andy, he scores his first goal. Incredible. So – and to tie the game. Um, but – Real Madrid still don't take full advantage of the Barcelona loss, only get one point over the weekend. So Barcelona's lead stays at seven at the top of the table, thank goodness. So Barcelona still leading, but looks like they have a lot of questions to answer. So I'm not I'm not counting any chickens, not in the slightest. There's still a lot of soccer left to be played. Mm-hmm. So La Liga, in my opinion, is still a race, even though Barcelona still leads by seven points. For sure, yeah. Yeah, because we are only maybe like halfway through the season because, we, again, we still have that break uh, from the World Cup. So it's kind of like we have to like go back yeah. a month a little bit. Yeah, we're happen. still we're still we're over we're a few weeks over halfway. Yeah. So a there's little, still a lot of soccer. Yes. So this is definitely where a, a Premier League can be lost. Nothing is nothing is won at this stage, but definitely yeah. at this stage you can lose it. Um, yeah. AKA Liverpool when they've always had leads in the first <laughs> half of the season and then lose it. Um, yes. one Speaking team that of the is, Premier League. Yes. Or we can't, no, we, sorry. can't sorry. we can't gloss over the one place that they're, I do think it's done and dusted, uh, yeah. in Italy. Um, any, is there any surprise for our listeners? Uh, Napoli won. Um, <laughs> and I believe, uh, Inter Milan has lost as well. So they were the second place yep. team. Uh, so 18, it's 18, Andy. It's probably 18. I'm sure someone has jumped over. points. I'm sure someone's jumped over Inter. Uh, probably maybe AC Milan. Um, no, they're but honestly, tied. Okay. I, they're tied honestly, at 47. Yeah. Points. I haven't really been paying attention because que sera, sera. What will be, yeah. will be. And it's looking like it will be Napoli. Napoli. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, now we can go over to the Premier League. Uh, Manchester City, uh, smacking the crap out of the cherries, pitting them, so to speak, uh, for so one. Bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad, but you know what? <laughs> I think it worked because the Bournemouth are the cherries. Um, so yeah, they got pitted. Um, City exercised their demons, uh, from losing or not losing, tying against Nottingham Forest and now just stomping on uh, what could be their um, friends in the championship next season if yeah. City get relegated and if the Cherries can't find a way um, to get somewhere closer to the top of the Premier League. Um, all that being said, Arsenal still find a way to win against Leicester, eke out a 1-0 victory. Um, so it's getting it's still tight. Manchester City, if they're able to start putting four or five past teams again, you know, if they're starting to click, Arsenal are, have been a little bit shaky in the past couple of weeks with some draws and getting a getting a result here. Um, we've got we've got a race, and don't yeah. count out United. I'm not saying, not thinking United can win it, but if those two teams drop points, United are have been a more consistent bunch than recent years. So yeah. it could happen. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. What happened over in London, Paul, with Tottenham and Chelsea? Well, in the London Derby, the Tottenham Hotspur, Hotspurs, Hotspur, Hotspur. They're just one Hotspur. Just one. Yeah. Just one. Just one yeah. Hotspur. It's named after a person who is called the Hotspur, so oh, that's why go. it's not just Hotspurs. Hotspurs. Yeah. There you go. Well, Tottenham. Uh, dominated Chelsea. Chelsea looking better after their signings, but still don't look like they've quite put it all together. There was some fiery moments in that game, though, Andy. The Ooh. the referee had to do a lot of go to your corner, go to your corner, stop, mm. <laughs> stop scrapping with each other. Yeah. Hakim Ziyech and Richarlison got into it in uh, the middle of the second half. Yeah. Got into it as in a real fight or a very escalated fake fight? Escalated fake fight, and uh, then Ziyech, after one of uh, Tottenham's defenders ran into the melee and kind of pushed him from behind, Ziyech like, hit him in the face oh. as he was trying to push him and somehow doesn't get a straight red from that. Yeah. Even though, even though VAR told the referee to go look at it, and then, well, VAR told, him to, VAR told the referee to give Ziyech a straight red. Mm-hmm. So he did, and Ziyech gets sent off. But then so the fourth VAR, referee holds Ziyech on the sideline. VAR tells the, the head referee to go take a look at it. The referee goes and takes a look at it and pulls, rescinds the red card and only gives him a yellow. Interesting. So the VAR yes. said, go look at this again. Yes. Which got the ref to put out a red. But then VAR said again, look yes. again yes. to give a yellow. That's Yes. So the video assistant referee is supposed to review and just saying, hey, if there's an egregious error, make a, like, if they think there is an egregious error, saying, like, hey, just look at it again. They're just telling yeah. the un, un, like, field referee or on-pitch referee to go look at it again. So the ref could actually look at it again and be like, mm, no, I don't want to yeah. change it. So the fact yeah. that VAR is going in again uh, <laughs> just brings just so many, so many issues with VAR uh, yes. that I, that I dislike. Yes. Um so, but anyway, huh. Tottenham Tottenham get a nice two nil win. Tottenham looking like they're securing their place in the Champions League for next year, especially since Newcastle has started to fizzle out with uh, three straight draws, I believe. Yeah, the so. goals that used to be there coming from El Maron are no longer coming there. So yeah. it's looking like they've got to find a way. They got to find a way to start winning some games. Um, yeah, because. They're great defensively. They're great um, on set pieces, but not in the past couple of games. They got to find a way to get the ball in the back of the net. So yeah, yeah. Let's go across the channel to Ligue 1. Uh yes. Paul, what's happening in France? Well, PSG look like they've become a new team after beating Lille last week. They had a top two matchup with Marseille and a much needed win for PSG as they had dropped three straight before the win against Lille. And you would think that PSG just beat, I don't know, Manchester United, Andy, Mm. by the way that they were playing against Marseille. It was like a completely different team. Wow. PSG come out and stomp Marseille 3-0. And it probably should have been 4 or 5. Not probably. It should have been 4 or 5. So all three goals were either scored and assisted by Messi and Mbappe. So Neymar's been out with an ankle injury, so it's been the Mbappe and Messi show. Mbappe has two goals and an assist to Messi. Messi has one goal and two assists to Mbappe. They're best buds on the pitch. Yeah. Honestly, since the Lille game, you would think that they were like long-lost brothers. Wow. Based on how things have been looking in training, they've been enjoying each other's presence again. I don't know if the fallout from after the World Cup is finally healed because that probably took some time, right? Sure. To, for that to, to heal, right? Definitely. Sure. Oh yeah. There's there's stuff that happens like that in the in the dressing rooms, just like anybody. Like I've yeah. I've experienced it in dressing rooms where someone goes off like to to win something, and other people that could have made that same like cup or trophy, they missed out. There's a little bit yeah. of animosity there. That that happens competitive na- nature. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And honestly, Andy, if this is the new face of PSG, look out Bayern in this week. Honestly, like if Messi and Mbappe are going off as they were against a, a really good league on team in Marseille, right? Top mm. two, they're they're competing for the title. But if Messi and Mbappe are going to play like this, honestly, they only have to make up a one goal difference. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay, there's yeah, potential. It was, yeah. yeah, so honestly, PSG could score two or three. Mm. It's it's not far fetched. So. 
And when Mbappe came on against PSG, or sorry, when Mbappe came on against Bayern, they looked like a completely different team and could have scored a goal or two at the end of that game. So with him healthy, with Messi playing as well as he is now, look out. That's yeah. all I'm going to say is look out. Yeah, could could happen. I think. Yeah. If because again, if it's a one goal one goal differential, you know, you can have a great defense, but something can happen. Referees, don't forget referees. They make a a clumsy call or whatever, uh, a soft call that can that can change a game. So yeah. we'll we will see what happens. Um, all right, and Paul. that's the end of our podcast. All right, everybody, have a great <laughs> week. Oh no, no, Paul. <laughs> Not so fast, Paul. <laughs> Not a chance. Um, we have to talk about the Super Subs Derby Part Two. Oh, man. Um, we we got to talk about it, man, because this was another. I would say like these we've been really treated because we've had both a home and away leg, and these were both very good games. I yeah. like hands down. Like hands down, I think this was the best. This is the these are the best games that I have seen all season. Yeah, all season. Well, except, for the, except for the World Cup. Except for yes. World Cup, yes. Yeah. Um, but, like, in terms of... I, You know, I might even put it up above the World Cup because... You're Not seeing, the final, though. The So, the reason I might... The reason I no. might is only because of styles. <laughs> it's only because you're seeing very distinct styles in Barcelona and United. You have much more complete sides in terms of how they're ticking versus how a net like national teams go against like national teams don't have enough time to have very intricate tactical sessions and tactical build up from, so, from it from a tactical standpoint i agree with you but from yes. a quality of the game I'm, I'm sorry that world cup final was the best game i've ever seen yeah, it probably I will mean, ever see i thought i thought united were a pretty world class quality in that game so are you saying paul are you well, saying barcelona wasn't wasn't world-class quality and uh not, not based on the second half and <laughs> andy if you watch the first half man united was not for world-class quality in that first oh half. no we no scrambling. we no we d- we definitely were not we were we were not we were not finding players we were not um yeah we couldn't we could not string together passes something was something was happening um i would say that uh javi found out um wutweghorst and try to play a little bit more attacking and they're I think they're having their left back in was it is his name Balde? How, yes. how do you Alejandro okay. Balde. Yes, Alejandro Balde did a little Javi did a little risk reward. Um and he got his reward even though it was a very I personally think that was a weak penalty to give. I don't think it was an egregious penalty. I think it was kind of soft. But you can't say it it's a yeah. it's a judgment it, call. It, it, ju- it was a, it was a judgment call, and I agreed with the referee. I when I saw it in real time, it looked like a penalty. When you slowed it down, it looked like a penalty. Yeah, it's not your most egregious like hard slide like slide tackle penalty, mm-hmm. but it, he is on the wrong side of the defender, on the wrong side of the ball. Bruno Fernandez reaches his arms out and pulls him right. You know, so that that's gonna he, get called. He puts his, get called. he puts his hand on Balde. Because of what Balde is doing, what he's trying to execute, any little touch is going to throw him off. So he does go down. If it hadn't been called, I if it hadn't been called, I don't think I would have been like, oh, we got away with one. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. like there's no call there. Um, yeah, I, I as a Barcelona fan, I would have been upset because in real time, I thought it was for sure a penalty. Mm. So, but again, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it, it's a little bit on the softer side, but I think, you know, I'm, it's in the same vein. I'm not looking at that going, oh, we got away with one that shouldn't have been a penalty. Right. And for me, it's not like, oh, geez, like Fernandez did nothing wrong. Cause Fernandez right. was like, why, what are you doing in that position to, to do that? Um, yeah. Cause even him during the game was kind of playing a little manic. I think it was like, he oh, was we'll trying to him. He was oh, trying we'll very hard. He was trying very hard that game to win, to win. Um, but yeah, we can start it, start it all back. Um, so game, uh, ends in a 2-1 victory for United. Yeah. Um, so we'll go back to the, to the start. We'll start with the lineups. I always like asking the question about the lineups because especially in these kind of games, it is very tactical. So Paul, 
Were you surprised <laughs> with the lineup? We had the ball day change, and we also saw Sergio Roberto come in uh, for uh, Gabi. Yeah, because Gabi got yeah. suspended. Because for some reason, the yellow cards don't reset when you go from Champions League to Europa League play. So yeah, that is Gabi, kind of odd. Yeah, so Gabi was suspended. Sergio Busquets came back. Uh, he had healed from his ankle injury. So we had Frankie De Jong, Sergio Busquets, Frank Kessier, and Sergio Roberto playing in the midfield. And I think it was great for a half. I think yeah. the the idea, the tactics, the idea of playing that high intensity midfielders running all over the field, getting the ball back worked for a half. But yeah. when you're missing out on the youth of Pedri and Gavi and their skill, honestly, there's a reason that they start every game. Mm-hmm. It's it just in the first half, Barcelona looked like they could have been up two or three nil, honestly, based on how they were playing chances they were creating. And they should have been, they should have been up at least two nil because Sergio Roberto got on the end of a poorly played pass out of the back by De Gea. Yeah. And the ball comes to him, and he's not an attacking player, Andy. He is a – for Barcelona, he has typically played as a right right back or a defensive midfielder. So mm-hmm. he finds himself in that, situ- in that situation. He's not your go-to guy that you want in that position to score. Yeah. You know, if he weren't – if Gavi was weren't suspended and Pedri weren't injured, it would be one of them in that position. And the, Pedri, before his injury, had scored I don't know three or four goals in the last five six games. Mm-hmm. Like he would be in that position, shooting that and most likely scoring. Yeah. So it just it, it was a great it's, idea from Xavi, but it just it's it, personnel. It's personnel. Yeah, it's personnel. It is one hundred percent. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because I would say for the first five five to seven minutes, United started right on the front foot. So I think at the start of the first half, United were definitely the better team. They had the most more clear-cut chance. I think we had two chances within the first seven minutes. Yeah. Um, because there was that one uh, that Bruno Fernandes was slipped in and uh, hit, I think just hit Ter Stegen on that. Right. Um, he Straight done, at him. Yeah. Should have been should have been doing better in that in that stage. And that's, for me, that's where I kind of saw, I was like, Bruno Fernandes might be just trying a little bit too hard um, yeah. in, that, in that scenario. Um, but... What it looked like what happened was that on the on your guys' right, on our left, they did a fantastic Barcelona did a fantastic job covering uh Marcus Rashford because yeah. they had their on um, who was I forget your right back. Um covering Kunde. Kunde. It was Kunde. They we had switched yeah. it from this game from the previous game. Kunde was the right back and Araujo played as the right center back. So between yep. those two, they smothered Rashford. Right. So like any time any time if like Rashford got past Kunde, ran right into Araujo and Araujo yeah. just mopped it up. Um yeah. double triple teaming Rashford on Yeah, because Raf- Rafinha was coming back and playing on mm-hmm. Rashford as well. So Right. So there was there was that so Barcelona knew like main threat is going to be probably down the left and on the right the gamble was that because of Aaron Wan-Bissaka's lack of wanting to venture forward um, or even Fernandez and Wout Weghorst kind of operating more centrally that uh, Balde could get forward. So that's what allowed yeah. Balde to be in the penalty area when yes. that penalty happened. Yeah. Um, so from, from that penalty, though, Barcelona dominated uh, in that first half. United yeah. couldn't string together a pass. A lot of errant passing from, I would say, from Fred. Casemiro's passing was sometimes odd. The play out from uh, De Gea look, was looking poor. Um, things just didn't seem to be clicking. It was a lot of, lot of, looked like a lot of frustration. Second half rolls around. Um, and Ten Hag, this is why I am loving Ten Hag, because he's recognizing what's happening on the field. So he recognized that Balde is venturing further forward. So that's putting us under pressure. We're not stretching that defense from Barcelona that's starting to play up higher and higher on the pitch. So what do you do to counteract that is you put in some speed on the right to really break that space. So they either start playing that high line and allow Rashford and Anthony to run past you, or you start like giving giving them some space so you allow more space to open up in the midfield so that Bruno Fernandez. Um, and Casemiro and Fred can venture forward. Um, so that was the tactical plan, which well, definitely, and, definitely liked from that as a, it, as a change of pace. 
something else that I noticed too was they moved they moved Rashford centrally. They also moved Bruno mm-hmm. Fernandez more centrally. So yeah. I think I think the second half was different because of two two reasons. I think first first and foremost was Ten Hag's tactical strategic adjustments, right? And I think this, the second part of that is kind of what I mentioned earlier in Barcelona's midfield being tired mm-hmm. and having personnel in there that cannot play the Chavi game, the Chavi style for 90 minutes. Yeah. So in the second half, and you saw it almost instantly as soon as the second half started, where Manchester United started bossing the midfield more. Bruno Fernandes and Casemiro started to take more possession in that midfield mm-hmm. and starting to find passes to Rashford streaking past Barcelona's defense. Yeah. So you had guys like, like I've mentioned before, Sergio Roberto, Frank Cassier, and Sergio Busquets who could not continue to run for 90 minutes. And no. then the problem is, is then Manchester United score not one goal but two, and then Barcelona starts scrambling, and Xavi starts like grasping at straws to try to find answers. And that's the that's the only thing about Xavi that I don't like. Andy is if Plan A doesn't work, there's yeah. no real Plan B. No, and, right? and when and when Plan A works, Plan A works great. Just look at the Supercopa mm-hmm. final against Real Madrid, right? Yeah. Look at Barcelona's wins up until this point where they hadn't lost a game. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in 2023, yeah. you know, when Plan A works, Plan A is amazing. But when Plan A doesn't work, what are we doing? Right, and that's that's kind of what happened. And honestly, it was so soon that you guys were put under pressure because it was yeah. not even like five minutes into the second half where it's a throw-in, and we're you know have been putting pressure already from now on the left side uh, because I think uh, Sancho is now on the left. We had Sancho Rashford at the uh, at the point or at, as a number nine, then Anthony on the far right. Um, yeah. or maybe it was Garnacho. Might have been Garnacho. Maybe it was Garnacho. I can't remember. Um, but anyway, you now have like very potent, aggressive forwards now chasing down, chasing Barcelona defenders down. They get a, um, we get a throw in. Throw in comes into, uh, Bruno Fernandez. Bruno Fernandez immediately tries to swing it to again try to get that space. And Fred, Fred of all people, gets a touch and shins it into the back of the net um, from outside <laughs> shin, the box. Shin, shins it is a great word. Yeah, because he he did, and it's he did. it's funny because I think he even had a chance. Maybe it was earlier or later in the game, and it's like he made this the lamest tame attempt. And it's like, God, what are you doing, Fred? And then finally, like when you're like, he does pull it off. He pulls it off at the at the perfect time. Yeah. Um, and not too too much later. Um, I think this was some this was some beautiful play actually. Um, from United, where the intensity you could see United having that fire intensity. I think it was physic physically, um, because this was embodied in this play that was the ended up being the winning goal. Um, so a long pass goes down. There's a ball that's running out. Uh, looks like it could be going for a Barcelona goal kick, but Luke Shaw busts his ass and does a beautiful back heel. So he's got both like the physicality to get down there and the quality to back heel it. And it leads to like a, a 50, 50 ball essentially for Bruno Fernandez. Um, and I think, was it Kunde? was maybe Kunde would have been on the, on the right there. Yeah. Uh, but Bruno Fernandez just shoves Kunde off the ball. And I was just like, that's, that's the physicality of the premier league right there. Um, at a fair one-on-one challenge on that. So from there, he passes it to Garnacho. Garnacho shoots and ricochets off to Fred, who ricochets off to further to the right, which is for Anthony. And Anthony sidefoots this bouncing ball, rifles it into the far corner. Uh, it's 2-1 United, um, and it's a whole different ball game. And you could sense you could sense it coming. I think um, yeah. I don't know what you were feeling when no, that I, first goal went first goal went in for United at least. Right when the second half started with the tactical change, I it was it was a new game. It was a mm-hmm. new game, and I knew Barcelona. I knew we were in trouble because I was like, oh man, we do not have the personnel to play this game. And when Manchester United find their first goal six minutes into the second half, I was like, oh boy, this is not going to go well. And then yeah. when Manchester United scored the second one, I'm like, all right, this is this is over. Because yeah, in the second half, Barcelona could barely muster an attack. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it was, they just couldn't they couldn't control the midfield like they yeah. had in the first half. You guys, you looked tiring. One of the, yeah. the the weird thing is Fred had a great game. Fred didn't play good until he scored a goal, which is just like the weirdest thing. Like he had been struggling because I think his yeah. job was to man mark uh, Frankie De Jong, and like he wasn't getting close. Like he was just a little bit a little bit slow. And Frankie even his De Jong, passing, yeah, Frankie De Jong played a great game. That he is looks one great. thing. That is one thing. Even against Almeria, even though Barcelona has struggled against Manchester United and Almeria, Frankie De Jong has looked great. And mm-hmm. I think the reason for that is because he knows he has to step up because he does not have the quality around him with Pedri and Gabi that he's used to having. Mm-hmm. That is that is the one bright spot that I've taken from both these games. Frankie De Jong played great. Yeah, I can see why you, like Ten Hag wanted him so desperately. Yeah, uh, maybe we still get him later on. Who knows? Um, Who knows? But yeah, it was just. It was crazy to see because even Frankie Dion, like he was able to withstand a lot of that pressure, and he's great at dribbling. Oh my gosh, yes. he's great at dribbling away from pressure and yes. advancing. Um, essentially, would be uh, Christian Eriksen if Christian Eriksen was a more defensive midfielder and was about let's say five years younger. Um, <laughs> just just exceptional. So yeah. we had that, but even. Even with that, Paul, you guys were able to manufacture two late chances. Uh, one was a beautiful cross that ended up finding Ansu Fati, and Ansu Fati was just too small to reach it. Um, and that yep. final, that final shot from, uh, Robert Lewandowski, that my, my heart was in my chest there, but when I saw Rafael Varane understanding that there was only one place that that ball could go because of how De Gea had covered, had come out and covered the near post and covered himself. Uh, yeah. covered his five hole. So that was, that was close. That was close. Yep. But yeah, we were, we were given everything, man. So it was, yep. it was great to see in that end that both teams were, were giving it all at the, at the end to make it interesting. Yeah. Honestly, it was, it was two great games. I think Barcelona just got unlucky at the, the kind of circumstances around the game with the injuries and everything. Um, it would have been like you, like you mentioned last week, it would have been interesting to see both teams at full strength. Mm hmm. Um, but I do want to make one last point on this game, Andy and Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> You're going to go after my Bruno Fernandez. Uh, earmuffs kids. Bruno Fernandez is a dick. Because so my, my, so my question is, so, so what? Like Puyo was no. a dick. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Puyo, Sergio, yeah. Puyo never in my memory I could be wrong, but because I was younger at the time. But in my memory, he never intentionally, from two feet away from a guy, kicked the ball as hard as he could into that guy's chest. Which, to me, Andy, if that happens in any other game, so I'm going to ask you to so, take off your. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to ask you to take off your Manchester United red tinted glasses. I'm going to ask you to put on some clear realism, as neutral as possible, podcaster glasses okay okay if that happens in let's say a Bayern Munich Union Berlin game or a Chelsea Tottenham game right if a guy after the whistle has blown even as the whistle is being blown if a guy runs up to the ball and kicks it as hard as it can into a guy that is on the ground from two feet away is that a straight red I, I I don't so want you me, to think I don't want no, you to so, think about yes. Manchester United and Bruno no, I, Fernandez. I am I am not thinking about Manchester United, Paul. Okay. okay. So seeing what happened, he was falling down and there was a like there was a midfield battle happening there. What Bruno Fernandez is doing is the way I would see it is he is trying to clear the ball. Initially, and when I'm seeing it initially, I'm like he's trying to clear the ball. Does he need to do that that aggressively? Probably not. But this is a high stakes game, so he's probably just gonna like freaking drill a shit out of it, <laughs> you know. See, that's I, how I think. That's how I'm thinking. That is legitimately. That is legitimately how I'm thinking about it. As I see the next time, I'm like, mm, okay, like that's there's a little bit of deviousness in there. Yeah, I think so, I think he line Andy. I think he lines him up. I think he I, does. I don't think so because I think he does. It's not like he was standing there for a long period of time and then Bruno Fernandez just decided I'm gonna freaking whip it at this random guy. So what happened in that battle is like. He's going in for a tussle. He is falling. As he is falling down, Bruno Fernandez is coming up there to clear the ball because surrounded and behind him are Barcelona players. So he needs to get that ball out of there as quickly as he can. 
So in, in the spot of it, it's a bit aggressive and I would be upset at how maybe it was maybe a little bit too much, but it's not egregious in that like he was specifically targeting him. I don't think it was a specific target. I think it was, I'm just going to clear the sucker. If some, if this hits this guy, okay, fine. But I'm just trying to clear it. I don't think he was specifically being like, I'm going to drill this into that guy. Like legitimately from a objective standpoint, that's how I'm, how I'm seeing it. It's a bit of gamesmanship, but it's not like completely like absolutely uncalled for. If it weren't from two feet away, I might agree with you. But the fact that it was two feet away, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And I think I, because of that, I think it should have been a But there was no there was no whistle called. The whistle was only called when Bruno Fernandez had already had the ball like on his foot as he was coming through to clear it. That's when the whistle came in. So he's still playing. It wasn't well, like the, the whistle had like the thing, though, is he died and then two seconds later he comes in. If he comes in randomly like after the whistle has blown and then he comes up and drills it, yeah, that's messed up. But this is like Here's bang, the thing, bang though, right is, there. Is Frankie De Jong is the only player who's in the immediate vicinity, right? It's not like he's got two other Barcelona players that are right on his back trying to take possession of this ball. So if the whistle is just going, Bruno Fernandez should be taking that ball into his possession and looking for a pass. Not necessarily, not necessarily given how that was, even given how that was set up because there was pressure happening and he, his goal, like his job in that possession of build up play is he's just going to clear it. He's like, we're not in a good position to attack and we have Barcelona players surrounding us. He's just trying to clear it. See, so it, I see, it, I see where he's going with it. I don't, I don't agree again, because I think he knows he's going to be called for this foul on Frankie de Jong. So I think he's not only one trying to kick the ball as far away as he can. I think he is also like, Hey, this guy's right here. I'm just going to kick it as hard as I can. And he's right there. So let me kick it at him. But so we're, yeah, I don't, I don't think, gonna, yeah, I just don't think he's intentionally trying to kick it at him. I think he is like, yeah. I'm going to kick this ball as hard as I can. If it hits him, so be it. I think that's what is going through his head. I don't think he's just, actually trying to kill Frankie de Jong. Since it was from two feet away, I think he lines them up. I think it should have been a straight red. In, 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 but in even my, if it's too far away, even if it's two feet away, no matter what he's going to do, the ball is going to hit him. Like, right? Right, if exactly. Far, so he's, he's trying to kick the ball in Frankie Deong's direction from two feet away and hit him. But he That's what he's trying even, to do. That's what you just even, said. So what I'm, but what I'm saying is like, he can't adjust if he's two feet away. He's, and it's going to end up hitting. And I think what was happening is he was trying to get it on the ground maybe before Frankie de Jong actually falls over. And again, because it's such a bang-bang play, it's just like, oh, if it hits him in the head, okay, so be it. But in general, like, I don't think there's enough in that. Because again, if it was Frankie de Jong was standing up and he was way further away and it, the whistle had already blown, like, and for one second, two seconds, and then he comes up and drills it into Frankie de Jong, when, or even if he's on the ground, waits one, two seconds, and then tries to clear it, then it's like, okay, that's messed up. But in the thick of it, when it was Frankie de Jong falls, whistle, ball, then hits Frankie de Jong. Like it all happened in one motion to me. So for me, it's not, there's not enough in there. All right. Well, again, we'll have to agree to disagree. And in, in, in United's defense, I think even if for some reason Bruno Fernandez gets a straight red there, I think United still wins that game. That's how poor Barcelona was in the second half. So kudos kudos to united uh on a great win and based on where the two teams are in this season andy i think united needed that win more than barcelona i think united also has a better chance to go on Mm. and win the europa league and i think i think united as a team and for their fans needed that more than barcelona need to continue on in the tournament i think in my opinion as a barcelona fan and looking at barcelona as a whole i think barcelona needs a league title more than anything okay so so would you so yeah so that's that's an interesting interesting question because barca also need like europa because i don't think at at barca even with their standards now because of the position that you're at if you don't win the league and there was potential to go all out for any sort of European trophy. Would that would that save Xavi? Because that's my oh yeah, my, it, it okay. would. But I think Barcelona is still in a great position to win the league. Barcelona is still in a great position to win the Copa del Rey. I think it's going to be very difficult because they got to beat Manchester United not once, not twice, but three times in the span of a month and a half. 
which is mm. crazy. The yeah. fact, Andy, we're getting five Classicos this season. That's nuts. Five. That's nuts. We're yeah. getting the the league play in the fall, league play in the spring, Super Copa final in the winter, and then two semifinal legs for the Copa del Rey. So if Barcelona can win the Copa del Rey, even if they only get to the final and lose, they would have had to beat Real Madrid at least three times a season. And that is that is nuts. So, yeah, yeah I think Barcelona is still in a great place to win the league. And I've said it all season. Barcelona need to win the league this season. They have yeah. to. Yeah, they're, yeah, they have to go all out for it because I don't think yeah. – they don't have – a strong enough of a squad to, I think, compete on multiple fronts. And I think that's probably yeah, what exactly that's, that's probably what we saw in this, in this, um, yeah. do you feel like it's going to derail, this could derail the Javi? Do you think this could derail Javi? Um, in terms of that? Cause this is at least the, the build up from the United, like the media. Was that the United like, loss? I would say, yeah, I would say the okay. United loss in terms of a home and away series. You saw like a Barcelona defense that, ended up giving up four goals over the span of two games when beforehand they hadn't. Um, They struggled a bit in Europe. Is that, yeah, here's, is, yeah. Is that concern for you or is this just like, Hey, this is where we're, this is still a building project because both teams are teams in building and maybe United might be farther along than Barca, but I, that doesn't really matter for you. Like where, where's Barca at after, after this? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, no, this does not derail the Xavi train. And the reason why is because if Barcelona were healthy playing this game and they lost in the manner that they did, then I would say, yeah, this is this is very concerning to me. But I think if Barcelona is fully healthy in in that game, if they have if Gavi isn't suspended, if if Pedri's at a hundred percent, and I mean, let's go even further and say hypothetically Dembele is able to play in this game. I think Barcelona wins that game Hmm. based on how Barcelona played in the first half and how the reason why Barcelona fell apart in the second half was because of the personnel. And also not to take away from Ten Hag's uh, tactic change. Absolutely. That was a huge point too. I think because of that, I think Barcelona would have won the game Mm -hmm. and that is why it doesn't concern me because I think Barcelona as a whole, Andy, Barcelona for the first month, month and a half of the season and for the first month and a half of 2023 is the only time Barcelona has been fully healthy. Hmm. Yeah. So if you think about that and the fact that in that first month, month and a half and in the first month and a half of 2023, Barcelona has looked like a really dominant team and one of the best teams in their league. And yeah, it hasn't translated into European competition. But remember, in those European competitions, Barcelona has been hamstrung by injuries. So you, I think you have to mm-hmm. take that into account. I think you have to step back and take that into account. And For sure. I think Barcelona has to get through this next month where they're missing Pedri. I think Pedri is a huge piece. I think he is equally as important as Robert Lewandowski and Ronald Araujo. And to be fair to Robert Lewandowski, he is honestly, in my opinion, the least important of those three in league play. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because Barcelona has showed that they can get results without Lewandowski on the field when he was suspended for three or four games in the league Mm -hmm. earlier this year. So I think Pedri is a huge reason why Barcelona ticks, and I think they have to get through this month with him being injured, out injured. And I think Barcelona has to find a way to stay healthy enough throughout the rest of this year to be able to win the league. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, because I remember even going into this, I know I was like, oh, we could, we could do it. But even like looking back, I remember watching stuff and listening to other other opinions that are on the interwebs, and they were saying like, actually, like how strong Barcelona is, and like from all. Like all your talk of Barcelona is like, yeah, they had as a serial win streak. Like they weren't, uh, de- they were a defense that did not leak goals. So yeah. this is, yeah. So I think this isn't horrible. I think the one question is like, what happened again? Even even with a weaker side, losing to the teams you lost against in the Champions League could be concerning. Could not that it is, but like yeah. I would say for okay. that you would you would want to advance through that group. However, like understandably, like 
you want you always prioritize your league. You always got to yeah. prioritize the league. So yeah, and and if if for some reason Andy, because Barcelona look like they're going to make the Champions League again next year, mm-hmm. if Barcelona gets bounced in the group stage again next year, then I'm going to start saying, okay, we got to start asking some questions, right? Yeah. Xavi's been at this for over two years now. Why is this still happening? So, mm-hmm. no, yeah. I think as a whole, Barcelona's in an okay spot, but they got to find a way to get through these injuries and find a way to get Dembele back and Pedri back and start to run away with the league. So, For sure. Yep, for sure. So, Paul, after all that, who are you going to say is is your super sub from all the soccer that we broke down from Barcelona United um, and all the different leagues that, that we saw? Who are you putting down? So... I wish I could put Messi because Messi's my boy, but Messi was not a sub. So I have to go with Alvaro Rodriguez for Real Madrid, as we mentioned earlier. He is the 18-year-old that came on in uh, early on in the 80s and a few minutes later scored a beautiful headed goal off of a corner kick to what could have been a savior for Real Madrid's season. They ended up gaining a point on Barcelona this past week. So it, it Honestly, I'm not a fan of Los Blancos, obviously, as a Barcelona fan. But for an 18-year-old to come on and score in a derby, an important as in an important as important game as that was, it, it was really cool to see. And honestly, yeah. hat my hat is off to Carlo Ancelotti for having the stones to make that move to put an 18-year-old on in that situation. Kudos to him. Yeah. For sure. And yeah, it's honestly like you got to respect it when an 18-year-old comes on in a one of the most heated heated of derbies. Um and it's yeah. one of probably one of the most watched games in the world. So, seeing all yeah. that really like congratulations to him. He's definitely going to if nothing happens out of his career, he's always going to have that. So, fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic job for him. Um yes. my super sub, uh, I'm sorry Paul is going to be Anthony for that um game-winning goal. Uh, That's that he okay. came on in the, in the half four. Um, yeah, yeah, just was great to see him because he's been getting a little bit of stick recently, um, and that he doesn't apparently do enough, uh, on the right hand side. And I think he does. I think there's just some decision making he can make that's a little bit better, but overall, like he has that quality and his intensity, I think really changed the game and allowed, you know, just that little bit of edge, uh, to see us through. Um, so that's going to be, that's our super subs. Um, super dud Paul is also going to come from the same game as the super <laughs> sub. So care to care to elaborate. Well, it's my second week in a row of putting a referee on blast and I'm going to put him on blast. Gil Manzano. So a little bit of backstory, Andy, really quickly. Gil Manzano has never had a Madrid Derby mm. and not in CV. Huh? Not on his CV. We just It's never yes. been on his CV. Yes, never been on his CV. And both sides apparently were complaining that he was appointed to this game. And honestly, I think he did a poor job refereeing. And the reason for that is even as someone who supports Barcelona and wants to see Madrid lose to make Barcelona's path to the title easier, he lost control of this game very early. He gave Militao a yellow card in, a, in the seventh minute for just a routine kind of tackle. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, man, this is going to get out of hand. And it was in the seventh yeah. minute. Yeah. And then later on, he gave a red card in the 64th minute for Angel Correa's kind of like forearm elbow push like on Rudiger. And I don't know. It was just like there was a throw in and they were both kind of jostling for position. And Correa kind of like throws an arm back to like kind of create space. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. look malicious, and he gives a straight red and also doesn't, you know, VAR doesn't call down and be like, hey, maybe take a look at this. And it, it changed the course of the game because up to that point, Atletico Madrid were by far the better team. Yeah. And somehow Atletico Madrid still managed to get the first goal of the game. So I just think he did a poor job refereeing the game, and I don't know, he might not have a, you know, referee for – um, El Derby Madrileño times two on his resume on his yeah. CV. Way way to go, sexy Paul on that on that last <laughs> note for that. Um, again, just to just to reiterate how sexy you are. Uh, over Thank you. the podcast. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's just it's always 
it's so interesting because I've seen this happen with referees where like they think it's a great idea to always give a yellow right at the start to be like, I'm asserting my authority. And it's like, when you do that, then you allow other people to say like, Oh, like, I'm just going to try to test it now. It'd be like, if I do a little bit of this, what's going to happen? But it's got to be the right card for the right reasons. And like, once that happens, it's like, okay, this is going to be a normal game. And like, you kind of should let a little bit of, as long as a little bit of roughing, in my opinion, as long as no one's intentionally trying to get, like trying to hurt the other person. Um, So that's my thought. Yeah, I agree. I think the ref should stay out of the game as much as possible. I think the referee Mm -hmm. should step in when he needs to step in and should absolutely stay out of it otherwise. Exactly. So Yeah, or else he's going to have a full card book, and he's going to have to, yes. like, come back from Hallmark with, like, baskets <laughs> full of cards for the players he's uh, booked. Like like, like our friend from the Argentina-Netherlands game in the World Cup, yes. Yes, very, very much so there. Um, yes. Awesome. And so <laughs> that's for yours. I am going to stick with players. Um, there was a man named Tayuka Wada, uh, in the Japanese league. Um, and he's my super dud for this week, um, because he had the deadliest switch of play. And what I mean by that is deadly for his team, because he gave up probably one of the most impressive own goals in history, because in this, you can go see it on, I saw it from the men in blazers, um, Instagram feed where this team is trying to play it out from the back on their left hand side. So the, Goalkeeper has gone away from his net, and there is Tayuka Wada. He is trying to cross the ball or trying to switch the play, meaning take it from the left side of the pitch to the right side of the pitch. So he, like, dinks it over, like, puts a lot of air on it, but gets it wrong and sends it to the far corner of his own goal, where the goalie can't do anything about it. Um, it looks beautiful, actually. Like the ping is just—it's a really pretty look on the little loft, but it just lofts right into his goal. So you can only imagine him hitting that one time, just being like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> and just seeing that, just waiting, just waiting for his uh, doom to arrive. So that that would have hurt a lot. So for that, <laughs> he is my my super dud of the week. So I just I just watched it. That yeah, was amazing. It's, it's amazing and both heartbreaking at the same time because you're like, man, what skill? Like I cannot do that. I can definitely score an own goal. I know I can do that, but I definitely could not score an own goal like that. And that's how much better all these people are at soccer than I am. So yes. So all that being said, thank you guys for a great show. Thanks for staying with us for a little bit longer of an episode. We promise now that Barcelona and United are no longer playing each other, we will not have as long of episodes. Yes. Uh, but we will get back to you next week uh, after all of our uh, teams get through their cups and their league games. But that's all for now. Thank you guys for being great. Uh, I have been Andy. Paul has been Paul. And with that, going to wish you a big old Bye. Bye. Come on, United. Uh, All right.